The Beatles, I Need Somebody to Love Me. That's the name of the sermon today. My name is Joe Davis. I'm the lead teaching pastor uh, here in the garden, and we're continuing in our summer series on Galatians. We're at chapter 6, verse 1 through 10, just a couple more weeks in this, and then we start our church-wide lectionary series uh, based upon the gospel of Mark. We've been working on that as well. We're excited about some things we have planned for you in when the fall, and I guess school starts tomorrow. Is that right? I see some relieved faces out there. So, um, Listen, today, um, Paul teaches some stuff that's going to wreck you. I'm just warning you. Uh, This is another one of those sermons. I had another one a couple weeks ago that some of you didn't like. I didn't like it, frankly. And you're not going to like this one, some of you. Um... But we're going to do it anyway because it's in the Word. So let's look at Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him to a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, if anyone thinks he is something, for if anyone thinks he is something, When he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, that when his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those. Let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through this historical and uh, theological application really quick because I want to get to the devotional as soon as possible. The historical aspect of what is going on here, okay? Many of the Galatians had fallen into the sin of religion. Did you hear me? They had become religious, and it was sinful. Because what had basically happened is the Judaizers and religion had given this outline of things that the Galatians were supposed to do, and some of them were doing it, and they thought themselves, well, now I'm really growing because I'm doing the to-do list that the religious have given me. I look good 
in their eyes. They thought they were something, but in reality, they were nothing. All of us are nothing. It's a concept that we've been hammering for three years in here called total depravity. But somehow religion for the Galatians had made them forget about how desperate they were before grace and they had begun to embrace their ability to fulfill a religious set of principles and now they thought they were something. It says to please the Judaizers, the Galatians were desiring to appear effective, churchy, pious, and holy. Are you starting to see where this is going to be a bad sermon? And so basically what happens is Paul tells the Galatians to abandon their religious pride and embrace brokenness and humility and vulnerability. And he says, test, each one will test his own work. What he means by that is worry about your own standing with God instead of trying to make sure other people don't measure up to what you think they should be doing. Test your own work. Stop complaining about what other people are doing that is so offensive to you. Then he says, reveal your struggles to one another. Become vulnerable about your burdens so that others can help you bear them. <clears throat> and then he says, you are to help each other with your struggles in humility and in service. Not like, oh, I see that struggle you have, my brother. I'll help you. With a deep voice that we try to mimic God. What is it about the accent, you know, God? I don't know. It just sounds pious. Then Paul says something interesting in verse 6. He says, The ones being taught should affirm the teachers by applying what they've been taught. It takes humility, because you know why being teachable is not natural. Now, understand something. Paul is not teaching a works-based salvation. What he's teaching is that the true gift of faith results in humility and vulnerability and then transformation. We talked about this when we did our study on the book of James. James teaches us faith without works is a fake, dead, dying, decomposing, rotting faith that results in death and not life. So that's the historical, what Paul is doing. Let's look at the theological aspects of what is going on. Theologically, religion doesn't transform you. The Holy Spirit does. This is what God is teaching us in Galatians. <clears throat> what God is teaching us is this. There isn't a set list of do's and don'ts and, and hurdles that you have to overcome to be transformed. Transformation is not. Transformation is not a checklist. Transformation is not a performance. Transformation is not an appearance. Transformation is not something that you practice and get good. Oh, I'm really transformed now. I've been saved for 15 years. 
I got a quote from a guy named John Calvin. Here's what John Calvin says. The Lord kindly rewards the works which his grace has enabled us to perform. Do you understand what he says there? The Lord, the Lord rewards the works that his grace gives us the ability to do. God says, I'm going to give you grace. It's going to transform you, and I'm going to reward you for what grace has done in your life. What a deal. Joe, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to hire you. I'm going to do the job for you, and then I'm going to pay you. Count me in on that. You know what else we see theologically? Religion doesn't bring people together. As a matter of fact, religion divides people. Religion causes dissension even right here in the garden. In the three years that I've been here, I've seen religion cause dissension. Between some of me, some of you and me, between you and each other, I've seen it happen. But grace and mercy brings people together. See, we can't bear burdens without the seed of mercy in our hearts, which is a product of sovereign grace. And we can't reveal burdens without the brokenness and humility that comes from enlightenment by the Holy Spirit in the midst of our wickedness and depravity that shows us the need for grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. It is the law of mercy that reproduces in its people the spirit of humility. So now let's look at the devotional part, the part that might get some of us angry. Do you understand that the human heart that resists this notion that outside of sovereign grace we are poor, miserable, wretched, blind, and dead? That human heart is a dying one. Because you know what that human heart also does? That human heart does a very good job of avoiding making itself vulnerable. Because you know what the human heart is? The human heart wants so badly, it wants so badly to make some sort of contribution to our own salvation. And more importantly, we want so badly to make a contribution to the salvation of others. Don't we? Don't we want so badly to be involved in our own salvation? But what Paul teaches is a reversal of religion. Watch this. He says, don't look for the flaws of others like the Judaizers did in you. Don't look for the flaws of others. Listen to what I just said. Don't look at the flaws of others. But deeply explore your own little abyss. Let each one test his own works. That's what he says. Look at your own wretchedness. You're not going to like this next part. Don't look at the flaws of others. Explore your own abyss and then divulge them to each other. Whoa. How else can they bear your burdens if you don't tell them what's in your abyss? Divulge them to your brothers and your sisters. And then once they're divulged, listen carefully. 
bear each other's abyss in humility. One of the early church fathers, Jerome, said this. You aren't supposed to say that. Don't laugh yet. Laugh later. <laughs> save, the, save the laugh. Ziploc seal. The proud one who judges the lowly is his own deceiver, not knowing that the spirit of the law adds up finally to loving one another. Augustine says this, there is no surer test of the spiritual person than in his treatment of another's sin. Seeking to rescue and support sinners, not punish or triumph over them. You know, for years, I have seen it play out against me. I have seen it play out inspired by me where we have a problem with somebody and they really are in sin and we take it to authority and we win and they're put in their place. That's fun, isn't it? I'm just being honest. Isn't that fun? John Calvin says, wherever we have occasion to pronounce censure, in other words, whenever we have an occasion to proclaim that somebody is weak, Let us begin with ourselves and remembering our own weakness. Let us then be indulgent to others. But we so love, we so love to look at and call out with, with great passion and with great courage the flaws of others. We see it in our politics in America today. The Democrats love to call out the hypocrisy of the Republicans. The Republicans love to call out the hypocrisy of the Democrats, and the Libertarians laugh at all of them. We see it in our churches. We love to point out when somebody is wrong, when somebody is not good enough, when somebody doesn't see the kingdom well enough. And what has happened in that situation is that religion has hindered you from being vulnerable. You can't be vulnerable when you're calling somebody else's sin out, can you? Because you got to put your guard up. you got to put your mask on. Because the very first place people look when you call somebody else's sin is where? Oh, yeah, look what you do. Vulnerability, get this, here's why. Religion hinders you from being vulnerable. You know why? It's the biggest obstacle to vulnerability because vulnerability reveals your religious failure. You see how that works? What vulnerability says is, I suck at religion. I'm terrible at it. I am horrible at these rules and these laws and these expectations and these demands that are put upon my shoulders. I'm terrible. I need help. Therefore, what happens is this. When we don't have vulnerability, we don't have trusting relationships that foster vulnerability. And therefore, when there's no vulnerability, we're not able to bear each other's burdens. Because religion, what religion does is forces you to mask who you really are and how much you really need grace. This is what wrecked me this week. 
And I wrote, you know, religion is such a joke. It's so fake. I hate it. I hate the pomp. I hate the circumstance. I hate the church trappings designed to make me feel Sunday like I'm different than I really was on Tuesday. I hate it. I want Tuesday Joe to be the same as Sunday Joe. Because religion masks our current burdens and just adds new ones. But grace and mercy applied to what we are in the midst of our filthiest, man, that's real. That's not fake. So let me explain to you what this looks like. That's great, isn't it? When your cup is not clear, there can be just about anything in it and nobody could know. It could be vodka in that cup. When your cup is clear, people see who you are. I want so bad for this congregation to be a collection of clear glasses. I want so badly for us to be unencumbered from the fake act and live in the embrace of our filth and cleansing that mercy has applied to that filth so we can freely see each other's burdens and bear them for one another in love and humility. Are you willing? I am. I'm telling you, I'm willing, but I'm afraid. I'm going to be vulnerable with you right now, okay? I'm going to throw off the religious trappings of being a pastor who's talking in front of you every week. Most of you, there's some of you that know me really well, but most of you have no idea how much I need grace in so many areas of my life. Why? Because I don't trust some of you. I'm just being honest. I'm being, I'm being vulnerable. I don't trust some of you. I don't trust everyone in here to, degree, to the degree that I can be vulnerable because I'm afraid you might judge me. I'm afraid I might get fired if you knew all of my crap. I'm not joking. I'm serious. So I end up putting on a show for a lot of you. And I have these masks on. I have my Wednesday mask. I have my Saturday mask. I have my Tuesday mask, which really isn't a mask. I have my Sunday mask, which is my prettiest mask. It's a very nice mask. It's beautiful. And it's a mask that tells me exactly what a pastor should look like. And some of you really like that mask. Some of you don't, <laughs> you know. A mask can't please everyone, but it pleases a lot of you, I can tell. But I can't stand it. I can't stand when I got to put on masks for you. Because that just leaves me with my burdens. And you know what else I do? I rob you of the blessing of helping me with my burden. You get robbed of a blessing to help your pastor with his burden because I got my mask on because I'm afraid you're going to judge me if I take it off. Some of you would judge me. I'm just being real. I judge some of you too. Some of your masks, even on Sunday, are terrible. 
Guys, this is the opposite of who I want to be as a Christian. It really is. You know what? This is why I love my nightlife family so much. They know exactly who I am. I'm very vulnerable with them. And they help me bear my burdens. They love me in spite of the fact that I'm the most unconventional, offensive pastor in the history of America. (laughs) Guys, we must make vulnerability fearful, scary vulnerability. We must make that a priority in our church because religion, Presbyterianism, is a spiritual scam. It's a farce that produces more burden and does nothing to help us bear our current ones. Because true faith enables us to share our burdens with one another. And it helps us bear the burdens of one another. Okay, so what do we do with this? I'm going to say something right now that's... I've just given you an example of vulnerability. I've just told you guys I have masks that I don't want to wear anymore. I just want to be who I am in front of most of you. And I'm not there yet because I don't trust some of you. But I do want to be vulnerable. And if you don't have a... I really mean this. If you don't have a desire to be vulnerable in sharing your burdens and humility to help bear the burdens of others, you may not really know what grace is. And mercy may not even be applied to you. You may not even be a child of God. You are most likely unconnected to the Father. That's why Paul says, test your own work. Think about this truth from today. And I hope it does wreck you like it wrecked me. I mean, I really do. I hope it wrecks you silly right now this morning in your chair. Because we really need to begin to know what it means to love one another in the manner that Paul was teaching the Galatians to love one another which is this. Show your burdens and bear their burdens. And as you bear theirs, they'll bear yours. That can only happen when we say this. I'm not going to judge you. You're not going to judge me. But we're going to help each other grow. I debated whether or not to share this story at the end but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, One of our dear garden worshipers has been in the hospital the last couple days in ICU, Bill Quigley. He's getting a little better, but I've been visiting him a lot. His wife called me and said, Bill really wants to see you. Will you come see him? So I went, like I think it was Monday, I went and saw him the first time. And I'm there, And it really inspired me for the rest of this week when I was writing this message. Bill's a good man. His wife, Marianne's a good woman. They love the church. They love the people. They're good people. 
he became so vulnerable to me right there. And he said, I know I love God, but I want to make sure I'm connected to the Father. Because he wasn't sure if he was going to make it through. And he became so vulnerable. And it just humbled me so much that he would be so vulnerable to me. I've only known him for a couple years. And I was able to say, Bill, let me tell you something. I've seen so much evidence of Heavenly Dad in your life. This right here is evidence. The fact that you would be so vulnerable with me right now is so much evidence that Heavenly Dad is alive and in your heart because you're humble, you're broken, and you're saying, Pastor Joe, help me bear this burden. It inspired me to realize, man, I got so far to go with vulnerability. We have so far to go. We got a lot of masks, people. And we use them to judge each other so much. It's time to stop. It's time to love one another in vulnerability. Share our burdens and bear each other's burdens. Because that is the true test of whether or not you have been given faith, which is what? That's right. 